0: Jody, can you hear me? Can you hear me, Jody? I got my volume all the way up, bro. Can you hear me now? I got you, bro. What's up, dude? Nick!
1: Jody! (laughs) My boy!
0: (laughs) How are you, bro? It's been years,
1: Dude, so long. Oh my god.
0: <laughs> I know man. Where you at now, hey?
1: I'm I'm uh, still in Colorado. I'm I'm actually out in Elizabeth,
0: uh you know, out in the country cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm heading back up there um this summer actually. I've got a job off the Arkansas River taking photos of the uh, whitewater after, so maybe we'll link up, hey.
1: Hell yeah. Hey, uh, let me give you a proper intro. We got fucking Bilbo's wagons here with us right now.
0: Yeah, Bilbo <laughs> <Bill laughs> shwagons. Bilbo shwagons. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was actually, honestly, um, I crafted that name when I was in New Zealand. Um, when I left home, when I left Castle Rock, um, I went straight to New Zealand for 10 months and, uh, it was like my first time overseas, right? So, uh. I was kind of in the land of the hobbits and so I figured might as well incorporate that theme into my uh, kind of adventure lifestyle I've been kind of carrying on for the last couple of years. It's been good.
1: Okay. Shit. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, so I'm just uh trying to start this podcast uh and yeah what we'll about anyway?
0: I mean, this seems like a new thing, hey.
1: So basically the basis of the podcast is whatever the person wants to talk about so
0: oh fair enough so like you were asking me a little bit about like you were saying you were going to move into a van and you were asking about like comparing lifestyles between van life and boat life
1: yeah exactly yeah
0: Yeah, it's been a hell of a transition bro if i'm being completely honest with you um i mean shit like I went from backpacking for what is that? Say, like, a solid three and a half years. Take the take the line up top. Hold on one sec. I got to sort out my ventilation in <laughs> the It's a process. Let's go. Yeah. Um, So, basically, I went from backpacking for, like, three years, like, living out of my bag through Australia and New Zealand, um, and really enjoyed the ability to, like, um, move around, just, like, you know, at the drop of a hat, be like, oh, somewhere, like, oh, the next city up the way is really cool, and just, like, check out of my hostel and kind of go up there, but um, after Australia, I moved back to Tampa, and I was working, like, I was basically, like, a normal person, so I had an apartment, (laughs) and I was working a nine-to-five job and hated my life. It was just super annoying. You know what I mean? Like, you just get so, like, put down by the system and how everything's so regimented and policed and so much authority and whatever. I was just like, I need to get out, right? So um, I guess it all started in Tampa when, when I met this – it was weird. I met this Lyft driver, and uh, he came over to my house because he needed to use the bathroom, and we ended up sharing a blunt. Right. And on a, on a stone handshake. Right. It was basically like one person, whoever buys a boat first hires the other one. And I didn't hear from him for like a month. Right. And then I get a call out of nowhere. It's like 9 p.m. on a Thursday night. Right. I'm working at Target. And this guy calls me. and He's like, hey, bro, what are you doing right now? I'm like, dude, I'm in Tampa. I'm at work right now. He's like, OK, I need you to go quit your job. I need you to book a flight to Rincon, Puerto Rico right now. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, no, I just bought a fishing boat, right? So I did that. So I literally walked, like, I hung up with him, walked to the fucking HR office, quit my job, um, bought a plane ticket, flew to Puerto Rico, and worked on a long-line fishing boat in Puerto Rico for five months. Um, and that was the first time that I really experienced, like, the true raw freedom that the ocean can bring you.
2: What was the day on that?
0: Oh, shoot. That was...
2: I mean, like... Oh. The
0: of. Oh, but, Jody, this is Katie. This is my crew, Katie. She's been on board with me through yeah. Gale Force Storms. She's been through all kinds of crazy season stuff with me. She's been on board for what, like a month now, a month and a half? Yeah, that's,
1: what, that's what I was going to ask is uh, who, who are you talking with right now? Katie, Katie, what? Katie,
2: Katie. O'Hara. I'm Katie O'Hara. <laughs> um, I'm a, I guess, sailor at this point. Um... I have been hitch sailing for the last I guess three years kind of I'm a, I live in Hawaii, but you know I go in between the two I guess
1: and in, be, in between the two what what do you mean uh, Hawaii and Florida?
0: Is that uh,
2: not necessarily. I've never experienced Florida before now but yeah.
0: uh, like Hawaii and hitch sailing.
2: Hawaiian hitch sailing. So I grew up in North Idaho, but my dad grew up in Hawaii. So before I graduated high school, my parents left to go back to Hawaii and I stayed in North Idaho. Long story short, I moved back there. Then I decided to leave and I went off hitch sailing and stuff like that in 2018, I think. And um, I did that for a while, then I went back to Hawaii, did that for like a year, then Corona hit and like the whole tourism industry like fell out from under me and I went back to hitch sailing and stuff like that. So I've been doing that for the last year. Um, yeah, pretty much that's it. <laughs>
1: uh, damn. Uh, nice to meet you, Katie. Uh, um,
2: yeah, you too, Jody. Sorry, I can't see your face, but you, you sound like a wonderful human yeah. being, but yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I, I worked with Nick for, what, two years?
0: I'd say uh, just about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, I think we both decided... Fucking King Supers? Yeah, like,
2: I think that's man. the world. Fuck of the story. Supers <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like like break away from the norm, like do whatever you want. That's the whole thing. Like you make whatever you want. Like that's that's the whole life. Like So
0: Jody, tell me a little bit about your van, bro. What's your plan here?
1: So essentially, uh I'm not looking for a companion. at I- I- could really care less if I have um, companionship on my like journey, uh, but I just want to travel. I, I want to see, I want to see everything from San Francisco to Toronto. You know,
0: damn, bro, then, that sounds like a hell of a docket. Yeah, what's your time? Uh, Are you just, just like looking for the rest of your life, or is this like a ten-year plan kind of thing, or what?
1: Oh, uh, it's it's my life right now.
0: Respect, no, definitely respect. I think me and Katie can both like jam on that.
2: Yeah, the life yeah. right now, like that's. I, I got it.
1: So, uh, I will say, I definitely, uh, I definitely feel the heart of the sea.
0: Yeah, bro. I will in say. In some way, it's crazy. So, like, just talk to me a little bit about that, because a lot of people say that, but like. The one thing I always say to them is it's not everything it's cracked up to be. It's a lot harder than you would think.
1: No, uh, so for me, uh, like, I'm down to go out to sea. And if I fucking, if I get stuck in a tidal wave or, like, (laughs) it, it really doesn't matter. Like, uh. I'm just down to go out to sea. Like, sure. if, if I fucking die at sea, I'm, I'm down with that. Like- <laughs> oh, I
0: definitely respect that, bro. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> it's kind of funny that you say that. Because um, when I first bought the boat, right, which was marked last year, like, literally drink, yeah, it was like three days before Florida lockdown for COVID was when I closed on the purchase of this boat and moved on board. Like, literally today is my one year anniversary. Of living on board it's kind of exciting but uh <laughs> it's actually crazy like today is actually one year aboard which i'm actually super excited about but when i moved on board mentality um until what was it like three weeks ago four weeks ago uh, um, month, about a weeks. month ago by now me and katie we did this delivery right so there's this like it's kind of a niche job market where very wealthy people have these super nice boats, right? And they'll take them down into the Bahamas or wherever the fuck during the nice season when the weather's really cool. You know, And they're like, oh, this is super nice. And then the weather starts turning really Drive choppy. To yeah, the weather starts turning really choppy. And then they hire people like me and Katie to take their boat through the really gnarly weather back to where they brought it from, right? And so this last passage that me and Katie had just come off of, we went from... Um, the northern tip of Eleuthera in the Bahamas, up through the Abacos, um, from the Abacos dead straight to North Carolina in Beaufort. Yeah, which was I yeah, mean it took us about five days to make landfall. Yeah, yeah, like five days. It's
2: fucking crazy.
0: But um, yeah, you gotta really in in this lifestyle like. You know, it's all peachy keen when you have great winds and calm seas, but this was the real first time in my life that I had truly seen the like the raw power of the ocean.
2: Same for me as well. Like I I I'd seen some like squalls and stuff like that, but like the sustained force of like nature for multiple days, plus the opposing seas of the Gulf Stream, which can be Which they say like is 2.7 knots opposing, but in the middle can be like five knots opposing. It's
0: very intense. Long story short, we were three days straight in like, I don't know, (laughs) 25 to 30 foot waves with like 35 to 40 mile an hour winds against us.
2: And we're having to auto... Like, we're having to helm the whole time. Yeah,
0: hand steer the whole fucking thing, dude. Yeah, no. I genuinely thought I was going to die at several points in time on someone else's boat. Like, (laughs) oh, I never want to do that
2: again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I was at helm one time, and I'm like, I'm I'm seeing, like, 42 knot winds apparent. That's coming from the aft port. Like, so... That's not even what the wind is. Like, a current is saying, "Wind coming across like I, I You're can't even real
0: body on him, dude." I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, not, you know, yeah. it's not even hey, real wind. It's not wind.
1: For the listeners' sake, uh, what is like aft and port? Okay, so uh,
0: things, I'll give you a quick rundown. All right, so knots is the speed of wind. Um, basically, one knot. Is essentially one mile an hour. One point right?
2: five, actually one point five knots.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So one point five knots is one mile an hour.
2: No. Port. Okay.
0: Port is left. Starboard is right. Aft is behind you, and bow is in front of you. So basically, imagine yourself on a thirty-seven foot sailing boat, like just a sailboat, you know, like that you would typically imagine, yeah. right? in waves that are 35 to 40 foot tall. Um, and in between the crests of the waves, right, we've got, what, eight, maybe, Matt, nah, like, seven to nine seconds in between the peak of each wave with 40-ish mile-an-hour winds directly behind us, which is, like, if we put the bow into the wind to get the actual wind speed, bro, we'd be up 55-ish miles an hour, like, We were on the Beaufort scale, which is how they measure wind speed for, like, hurricanes and shit. Um, Yeah. It goes from from 1 to 12. And we were about halfway between 8 and 9 crossing the Gulf Stream current, um, which is, like, really kind of intense. So, essentially, if you imagine a river of water flowing north Mm -hmm. up the east coast of America at 5 miles an hour, right – and then you have a, like, say, a 35, 40-mile-an-hour wind blowing against that current, like, blowing south, it makes the waves stand up really, really tall with a really, really short period, you know what I mean? Like, where the waves are, like, really, really close together. And we're trying to sail, like, northwest on that shit. Dude, I swear to God, it was so fucking intense. But anyway, long story short, the point that I'm trying to make is... um like, at least for the last year, I've had really great sailing conditions, and I've been really fortunate with my anchorages, but um, you really have to be prepared for the worst when you come out here, like, you full-on do, because at the end of the day, like, we were, at the maximum, we were, like, 400 and something miles offshore, like, no one's fucking coming to help you, you know what I mean? There,
2: (laughs) we don't have an SSB, SSB is a long uh, band radio, so, like, even if we radio Coast Guard, like, we have a what do we have? Like, radio? We, all we
0: had was an EPIRB, which is, like, the emergency radio beacon, right? If, like, that's you hit like, out, yeah. that, the thing's less. got a 48-hour battery life, right? That's it. 48-hour battery life, and then it dies.
2: And that's, like, if we're sinking.
0: And then we have a VHF radio, which has, like, a maximum of 20 miles on a clear day. We're, like, you're in the middle of the ocean, bro. If something goes wrong, it's 100, like, your medical staff, you are... Engineer, you are the captain. It's fucking crazy. You're a
2: fire department. You're everything.
0: So, uh,
1: so that's kind of what I. Uh, that's something else I wanted to talk about. Is I, I saw an Instagram post from you that was talking about you performed surgery on yourself.
0: Oh my god, yeah, was this in Georgetown? Yeah. Oh my god, that was fuck. That was crazy. Okay, so get this. I'll tell you the story. Mm-hmm. I tell you the story because I'm kind of proud of it.
1: No, do it Wait. <laughs> I'm so excited to hear about you performing surgery on yourself in the open ocean.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was an open ocean. I was on anchor. It was like fairly safe for the you know i kind of I kind of diced it up for Instagram, but get this right so i'm uh, this was before I met Katie. I was solo sailing down through the Bahamas as you do. Um, and I had gone from, okay, so basically you have this chain of islands called the Exuma Keys, um, and Great Exuma Mm -hmm. is kind of like the big island at the bottom, but then up north, you've got a bunch of little itty bitty, super dope little islands full of like reef and all kinds of cool shit to see.
2: But they have no kind of, you know, like medical or anything like that. Yeah, no access,
0: no access at all, right? So I'm at this place called Staniel Key, right, which is like halfway in the Exuma Keys, um, and a few buddies of mine are like, yo, let's go down to Georgetown, which is down in Great Exuma, like down at the southern tip of Exuma, right? I'm like, hell yeah, this stuff's mm-hmm. awesome, and they're like, all right, well, we're going to make a couple stops along the way. We're going to see David Copperfield's um, piano, which is like David Copperfield back in the day sunk a steel piano in the middle of this sandbank, and basically, like, you just diving around, and then out of nowhere comes this piano, with a, a stone mermaid playing the piano and it's just like randomly in the middle of the ocean. And you're like, awesome, dude, this is super cool. Anyway, so we're down anchored nearby that and me and my buddy Mitch, um, this is actually like the second or third night I had gotten to know him. You'll come to find out if you end up coming out here, the cruiser relationships are built on three things, sailing drunken memories and hardcore times in the ocean. All right. Number two is what me and Mitch experienced the day before I had this condition, right? So this was like day three of getting to know Mitch. Um, I went on board his boat, which is a really large catamaran. Um, We ended up putting down four bottles of rum. I woke up at six in the morning with a bottle still in my hand. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Passed
2: out on the deck. Yeah,
0: passed out on the deck. And our friend Brandon, who we'd met up in Nassau, um, he came down and found us from Staniel. And he came knocking on the hall like, hey, is anybody home? And I woke up and I was like, oh, yeah, what's up, dude? And we ended up spending the day spearfishing. And that's where we went and saw David Copperfield's um, piano. Long story short, the next morning, I wake up with this like swollen bit of something underneath my tongue. Like, you know, those little salivary glands underneath your tongue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on the right-hand salivary gland, it just, like, started to puff up. And I was like, this is weird. So I started, like, vigorously brushing my teeth. and like, what's going on here? You know what I mean? And a couple of days ago, (laughs) it just keeps getting worse and worse until I've got, like, it feels like I swallowed a baseball, bro. Like, literally, my neck was swollen so much that I could not turn my head more than, like, 35 degrees to the right. And I'm like, this is bad. You know, so I'm calling home. And my mom at the time she was a receptionist for a dental office, right? So I was like, "Mom."
1: No, I I, I met your mom. Oh,
0: dude, she's <laughs> a fucking amazing human, huh? <laughs> so I gotta some love to my mother. She's a fucking sweetheart.
1: I love your mom. Anyway, she's she's a great lady. <laughs> yeah.
0: Anyway, so um um so she, she talked to her. Uh, dentist and she the dentist told me that it was what was called a ranula and if I let it go too long then I'm going to have what's called a salivary stone and I was like that doesn't sound good right and the doctor was like yo you should probably go find a hospital and get that thing removed and I was like okay so I sailed my ass from Musha Key 14 hours south single hand with this fucking baseball in my neck Right. Sailed itself to Georgetown. I got to Georgetown. I went to the hospital in Georgetown and they told me we don't have a doctor on site that can do that, nor do we have the equipment available to do that. So the only available place for you to go is another what I think is one hundred and thirty some odd miles back up north to Nassau Nassau. and hope that they can do it there. And I said to myself, I was like, okay, hope. No. I said, no, fuck that.
2: They probably so can't do enough. What
0: I did was, I was like, you know, it's gonna get better. It's gonna be fun. They gave me some antibiotics. It's gonna be cool, right? So I take a couple of antibiotics. I wait a day, and this thing's getting real painful, right? It's not like swelling anymore. It's like swelling to the point of like, ow, dude, like this shit hurts, right? And then I wait another day, right? And I'm like, this is not going away. But I think there's something in there. Like I could feel something in there, right? So what I did. <laughs> Was I turned on my LED lights in the in the in like the toilet area, and I've got a, a mirror about the size of a dinner plate hanging on my wall, um, and I took an Exacto knife, like a little baby one, a flashlight, and a pair of tweezers, <laughs> and I basically what I did is I made an incision on the underside of my tongue, right, like about I don't know, two and a half centimeters long, underneath my tongue. And I cut open this little area and then like I cut it open and then like it was all like hard and white up in there. And I was like, that's not good, dude. That's not
1: That's gotta go. I
0: was like, fuck, right? (laughs) Right. So then I was like, okay, so I started poking it with my tweezers and I was like, oh, that thing's kind of moving around. And all my research that I had done prior to Right, said that it was just a stone, right? So, like, what the doctor was gonna do anyway was gonna cut it open and pull it out, and pulling it out wouldn't fuck with anything, right? So, I just kind of took a gamble, and I was in so much pain that I was like, please just let this work, kind of thing. And so, I stuck these tweezers yeah. in this incision underneath my tongue, and I pulled this thing out of there, dude, and it popped out like a tooth, like, pop! And instantly, dude. All the pain was gone, and I swear to God, dude, like you could have filled up a Dasani bottle with the amount of spit that came out of my mouth, dude. It was ridiculous. So it turned out that the baseball-sized swollen bit was just spit that couldn't come out of my salivary gland and ended up creating a cyst in my neck, right? But what I pulled out of my mouth was about the size of a canine tooth stuck underneath my tongue, bro. (laughs) <laughs> <Yeah. Bruh. laughs> that was not fun but i'm totally operational now and um pretty uh well versed in oral dentistry now i guess
1: yeah no and that's uh that's part of uh what i wanted to start a podcast about is just talking to people about shit they've been through
0: I mean, that's kind of part of being on board is like, um, you know, like that's kind of why a lot of us, that's main reason why a lot of us moved out here was like, yeah, everybody loves the system. Everybody loves being like, you're fine. Everybody loves being, um, I don't know, a part of a society more so like to say that you can go to the doctor whenever you want, or you can go down the street and get some fast food or, you know, there's a gas station everywhere, you know, but the adventure in life really lies outside of that you know um but the dark side of that kind of coin is the fact that you're away from all of the access you're away from doctors you're away from you know food you're away from fresh water you know what i mean so you got to be able to kind of provide for yourself out here and it comes with some uh potentially uh costly consequences yeah adverse consequences
2: adverse effects but what i want to say like on the other side of it is that in the cruiser community and i'm sure in like the you know what is it called (laughs) like
0: like the van
2: life community community, like you find your people like that's the whole thing with cruiser community is that like you interact with all these other people that you come up into anchor, you drop your anchor and you can cruise around and you can like talk to all these other people. And,
0: and everybody wants to help, bro. Everybody
2: wants to help. And everybody wants to help each other. like, so if anything goes wrong, like with your boat or whatever, like they're going to give some insight, like into what has gone wrong. Ironically, them enough.
0: Ironically enough, man. The day after I pulled that ranula out of my mouth, I was so hyped about it that I threw it in like a little vial and I went to this little cruiser beach, which is like, it was actually cool because in Georgetown, it's like one of the only places that has like an actual bar that has bartenders on a beach. No, Chat and Chill. Chat and Chill. Yeah, like a bar on the beach where you just like drive your little tender boat up to the beach, put an anchor in the sand, and then you can just like walk up to the bar and there's only cruisers there, right? So I walk up to the beach the next day. I'm like, look at what I did. Like, this is awesome. I was so proud of it. And um, and
2: of course, he keeps on drinking alcohol yeah, because of course. like what? It sterilized the wound?
0: Fuck yeah, but Something point like being, that. I learned that fucking two boats down from me was a licensed dentist
2: <laughs> with all of
0: the shit, all of the like the, the stuff to numb it, all of the tools and everything. It's just like the ultimate piss take.
1: <laughs> Fuck, dude.
0: But I mean, I'm I'm kind of sad because I feel like I'm I'm shining light on the negative aspects of boating right now.
1: It, well, it's kind of weird because I feel like you are shining the aspects on the brighter side of boating. Oh,
0: I appreciate that, <laughs> dude. I mean, it's being out here is such a duality every day, like. I don't know. I mean, Katie and I, we've we've really made an effort every day to uh, like you wake up like it's weird. Like your your time scale, like the, the time that you wake up and the time that you go to sleep, with the exception of tonight, because we're a little boozed up. But um, you wake up with the sun and you go to bed with the sun. So you find that in the front half of the day it's a lot cooler. Right. And you're like fresh in your mind right? you got a fresh cup of coffee in your hand. You're ready to go. So you go and you deal with the boat first, right? So you do all your basic repairs. I'm talking light bulbs and electrical and just basic kind of jobs. You ask any boater and they've got a list longer than your body of shit they want to fix, right? And you just do one, two things in yeah. the morning. And then during the midday when it's like slack tide and the water's real calm and the wind lays down, that's when you go out and you play and you go and dive and you check out the reefs and go lay on a beach for a little bit. And then in the afternoon, say around 2 or 3 p.m. is when the beers start cracking. Then you start drinking. And then, say, around 5.36 is when the fires get lit up and you start cooking. And then, I don't know, what would you say, about 9, 9.30 is cruiser midnight right around there? Yeah. And nine, then we all go to bed.
2: 9 o'clock is cruiser midnight. Like, that's as it goes.
1: No, and that's what I'm saying is fucking uh... – I grew up being your fucking boss.
0: No, you were not my boss, Jody. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: wait, uh, were you really? I was. I was your main. Oh my agent.
0: gosh! Wow. Okay, well I'm so. glad I view you, you as <laughs> homie, dude. I always thought that you like I was just like bagger checker, and last uh, wait, you were all the way up a manager, bro? Fuck. Can you hear me?
1: Hello? Hang on. My okay. uh, my blo- Bluetooth disconnect. Oh, no sweat, bro. No.
2: Let me... Okay. He's giving you, like, yes, we have to work in the morning and stuff like that. But the, the fact is that, like, any kind of project on a boat uh, creates, like at Least eight to ten more projects. That's the whole thing. Like, any project you start, you're gonna see like a crack somewhere, and you're gonna be like, Oh, I gotta fiberglass this, I gotta like do this or that. Like, it's gonna become something more. (laughs) That's just how it goes. You get
0: your Bluetooth sword in.
2: Boy, boy!
1: My Bluetooth has been sorted, and uh...
2: he has been sorted. Bang a ring!
1: Bang a right.
2: Yeah, you can hear Nick as always. Sorry, Jody, I'm just rolling a
0: cigarette.
2: Hold on. We're moving. We're moving locations. All right. So.
0: Oh, I'm
2: just gonna sit topside.
1: I'm gonna sit right here. All right.
2: But thank you, right Katie. There. Oh, well, thank you, Jody.
0: <laughs> so yeah, dude. So you think you're gonna buy a boat or what?
1: <laughs> no, I, mean, honestly- I, uh, I think I'm gonna buy an RV and travel right. across uh, Canada and America. Uh, Canada through Mexico.
0: <laughs> dude, that, that's fucking dope.
1: Yeah. So You not
0: know, say that cuz I'm doing the same thing this summer. I'm getting ready to make my land yacht.
1: What? What is yeah, the dude, land Yeah, dude, so like
0: I, <laughs> Like I told you, I'm uh, I got this job this summer up in the mountains, right? Yeah, And uh, it literally requires me to live in a van for five days of the week up on the Arkansas River. And so I mm. figure I've got a boat, Um, but like you, dude, I want to go see, like, Canada, and I want to go see, like, the land part of Mexico and Central America and things like that. And so, like, I figure I'm going to take this opportunity mm-hmm. to get a van and, like, kit it out. Like, I'm talking solar and, like, a real nice kitchen and like potentially a water maker and some other things like that where like like when I when the hurricane season hits here I can just put the boat in a storage yacht or in a storage lot like you just pull the boat out of the water put it on some blocks and um yeah and just live in the uh in the van.
1: Yeah exactly it's my land what what do you understand about your Irish heritage?
2: Are you asking me, the O'Hara?
1: Well, you're an O'Hara.
2: Yeah, I'm an O'Hara.
1: Oh shit! Uh, no, nah, I was, I was asking Nick. But
2: what are you asking Nick? Bro, oh oh no, shit, and, dude, I don't have
0: any Irish heritage. The Claytons come from the east coast of England, or sorry, the yeah. west coast.
1: But Katie's in O'Hara.
2: Yes, I am.
1: <laughs> an O'Hara, a true
2: Capital O'Hara, O-H-A-R-A. <laughs> Capital H A R A. Yes, I'm an O'Hara. Aren't I a lucky guy, Jody? Fuck.
1: <laughs> Fucking name. I so. <laughs> I'm a Smith. But... You're a
2: Smith. Oh shit! All right. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, like. Like my, uh, the O'Hara that was the ancestor that came to Ellis Island was an orphan. So maybe you chose his last name or whatever. But I know a bit about the clan O'Hara, like, quote, air quotes and whatever. But
1: Well, what I know about O'Hara is that is the clan that defeated Romans in what was it? 14. The sometime in the 1400s, uh, you had the the it was the the O'Hara's. Like, well, so. I
2: would, <laughs> I'm happy in name to be a part of them, if only in name, but you know. I know them as to be a very you know a strong tribe, and also to be a like a a tribe that has a lot of heritage also but you know
1: well, and that's why they have a lot of heritage is uh back in the thirteen hundreds the Romans were trying to take over Scotland, and the O'Haras were basically just like no <laughs> no, oh, no you can't have...
2: <laughs> I, mean... <laughs> I mean o'hara
1: was o'hara was the strong point like o'hara just said no you can't have scotland <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I like the accent, Jody. I, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed the like embodiment of the the tribe. Yeah. Um.
0: But now she fits the bill, bro. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Thank oh, you. Goodness.
2: Fucking head tip to that. Uh, uh, O'Hara. O'Hara for the win. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I'm gonna paint her face while she's sleeping, all um, what is that, Braveheart style? It'll be cool.
2: Are you gonna braid my hair also? You
0: already do that.
1: <laughs> no, I uh, I'm Scottish, so bagpipes are my shit. Oh, I hear bagpipes and I uh, I lose my shit.
2: Oh my gosh, <laughs> I lose my shit also. My best friend from South Africa he plays the bagpipes and i like lose my shit every time and i just like i melt like a piece of butter yeah what it is
1: it's uh for old lang syne yeah oh
2: lang syne. Mm-hmm. oh old oh, lang syne yeah and-
1: mm-hmm.
2: Yo, that's what was in your poetry,
0: dude. I was genuinely like, is he drunk or is he typing in old English? I can't tell.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I was reading your poetry to him and like reading it like kind of normal he's like, I don't understand what you're saying. I
0: don't know what that means, dude.
2: Yeah, all things on. Uh, but no. For as long as
0: my family history dates back, bro, I'm pure blooded American.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I well. <laughs> You, uh, you don't even understand.
2: You don't even understand, bro.
0: I don't even get it, dude. Endless respect to both of you.
2: One of my favorite songs is "The Wings." It's um, uh, what um, uh, more the King wings. Tide. Yeah, more uh, the wings. More King Tide, and it has bagpipes up the wazoo.
1: More King Tide.
2: Mm -hmm. All right. Sorry to like deviate from the (laughs) proper. No, fuck yeah.
1: No, I say your your boy. uh, He uh, doesn't understand my my heritage. Mm -hmm. No,
0: Jody, I do not, bro. I do not. But I will do after this podcast. I'm going to spend the evening studying Scottish history of the Smiths.
2: Also there it's
1: not even, it's not even the Smiths uh, Smiths go back from Irish to Scottish to Smith to everything in um, English heritage That's uh,
2: cool. It's convoluted yes yeah you know we all interbreed and stuff like that fucking inverts. <laughs> I mean...
0: That was rude. That was not... That was super rude.
1: Sorry. That's the Engling talking. Well, like... I'm super rude. Oh, okay,
0: cool. No,
2: he's being kind of fucking <laughs> such, but, you know, as a dude.
1: No, uh... Um... I'm actually happy to be super rude. <laughs> um, ah,
2: we all speak rude. <laughs> I mean, like, uh, break the normal constraints of society and such like that. So, I.
1: Well, what. So, that's the thing is everybody thinks that the American way is the constraint of a society. And it's like, no, I'm. I'm a fucking asshole.
2: I'm,
1: I'm, uh, I'm, uh, be what I want to be in my society. Yeah, bro.
2: Same as me. We're mm-hmm. pirates in training. Mm-hmm. Yarr.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head, bro. It's just, um, it's about non conformance. And I think that's a massive, um, it's like a massive culture shift I've noticed nowadays. Have you?
1: Uh, I've noticed it for yeah, sure. No, it's, uh, it's
0: liberating for me, at least. I mean, I don't know. It's like a resurgence of the hippie movement of the 60s, but in a different way. So much so that, like, more people than I could have ever asked for like breaking away from the 40 40 40s and this corporate ideology of like giving your life away to just like. You're working all the time, and then when you get too old to do anything cool, then you get to retire. And I'm like, well...
2: It's not the fucking fact. Like, no. You can be part of... You can break out and do whatever you want. You just have to make that move for yourself to break out from the ideology that is our society.
0: shit you you feel me yeah Mm
1: -hmm. yeah uh
0: i mean really that's why we came out here that's why you're trying to buy an rv that's why i bought a boat it's just because like the world's changing i mean as covid's all shown us man like we need to break away from spending all of our life at work and like idolizing these people who spend like 18 hour days working wherever the hell four hours of sleep a night only to have like
2: more materialistic values yeah
0: no it's all about it's i mean you have the materials to get yourself by to be able to feed yourself and bathe yourself and you know be able to be comfortable but at the end of the day man like what really crafts a good healthy life in my opinion is um experience and a lot of good healthy relationships you know (gasps)
1: Do
2: it to the rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, because we do not live a conventional life does not mean that we can't like cook a proper meal and like from basic things and like cook a natural meal and well, have yeah, yeah. Sorry. You're-
1: We're not living a conventional American life.
2: Yeah, not the white say- picket fence, not that bullshit that like you have to have like a lawn and like that's cultivated by the French. Like the French, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry to get into that. but the French—that is where it started. Is the French they like started like building up these gardens and stuff like this, and like they started building up these lawns, and that's where it all started—the white picket fence.
1: No, I just. Uh- what I will say. I area. want to live my life outside sorry, of that ahead. shit. No, I, uh, I just, fuck the French, fuck uh, the Italian. Well, Italians. I'm
2: not, not saying fuck <laughs> the French, it's like, they have great bread and cheese and stuff like that, but, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, and, wine. That's, and, the wine. and their wine, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but,
1: hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not saying the French don't have good views.
2: Oh, and our like, let's not get, like, past that. But in reality, like, in, like, your, you know, daily reality, that's where the whole lawn situation cultivated from. And that's where, like, the American reality of having a lawn and, a, like, a flower garden and, like, having a white picket fence cultivated from. So from that is where... It, we should deviate from and
0: although it... like in like okay so we're shitting all over the french which is definitely due <laughs> but I will say that like on an ideological
1: hey, uh, right, you're very right hey. in saying
0: that like nowadays the cultural shift is moving away from say the corporate ideology the American ideology of like the white fake offense and etc however what I've noticed,
1: I'm... In the people that I've noticed... So... sorry sorry So what I'm trying to say is let's just get away from cultural ideology altogether. Like, let's just look at America as a whole, you know, pillars, um, and say, okay, well, America fucking
2: (laughs) Uh,
0: I wouldn't say that much. And I'll, I'll tell you why, um, it's because like the people that I meet out here, right? The people that I meet live in this lifestyle. The one thing that they do care most about, above anything else, is their individual true raw ability to do whatever the fuck they want. And let's be completely honest: when we look at the birth of the American, uh, what do they call it? The American experiment was. The American, the American dream. experiment, man, was these people over here, like, think about it, right? You're coming over here from England being completely smothered by this crown and all this fucking authority and all these rules and all this stupid shit, and then they just take you and they spit you into this big, massive, huge, giant continent and say, you still have to obey our rules, but there's no one there to police you, and what happened? America was born and what I've noticed is that that true just genuine at its core I hate to say the word because it's kind of cliche but freedom is something that everybody out here every cruiser I meet you talk about someone telling them what to do or some sort of Coast Guard regulation or some sort of law that you could get a ticket for every single time they're going to look at you and shake their head and say what are they going to do we're all the way out here we're in the middle of the ocean on this beautiful spit of land. I'm going to do whatever I want to do as long as it doesn't impact the environment, as long as it doesn't impact the people around me, as long as it doesn't you know, negatively impact the shit that I care about. You know what I mean? And I think that that facet of the American ideology is something that's really shining through in this new shift is the fact that. Yeah, we don't have to sell our lives to these businesses or these corporations or any of this massive shit. We can really just be true individuals and just do what we want to do as long as, A, we respect the environment, and B, we respect our neighbors. You know what I mean?
1: Dude. <laughs> dude! <laughs> well, what's up, dude? Dude! <laughs> You just explained <laughs> everything. um Anarchy in the U.S. is trying to agreed, explain. and like
0: anarchy gets a bad rap because it's all like hardcore guns and all kinds of crazy shit. But like really, man, I yeah. mean, anarchist
1: and it, it's
2: in the bar in, it's, in the, the career,
1: in lifestyle—that's yeah, not what
2: gun. you encounter.
0: What do you think,
1: Jody? It's not about guns. (laughs) It's about getting the power to the people. Understand that the people of America body eighty percent, at least. Uh, I think it's so. You're gonna take eighty percent of America and say, "Hey, eighty or twenty percent of America wants guns." It's like, well, twenty percent of America is only like. 20,000 for
0: hypothetical sake,
1: yeah. So you take 20,000 people and you pit them against 20 million people, and you uh, it's it's not a war, it's
0: (laughs) I don't know, like, you can't call that a war that's gonna be. Uh, I,
2: what we, I don't know? Like a fucking massive say,
0: tidal wave, it's bro.
2: Jody, it's not—it's not necessarily about guns. Yeah. It's not necessarily about like, but it's about people realizing their ability to break free and embrace and more.
1: We to break free.
2: Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Embrace a more sustainable lifestyle than they have right now. Full stop.
1: Yeah, no. Uh, Me and my companions, we're, we're here. We are the anarchists of America. And yet, People see us as a... People don't think we're... a true organization. No,
0: I mean, it's been portrayed that... But it's not. We're not, man. It's an ideology that just... Like, it's surprising how much of a mass of people carry this ideology of sustainability and lack of authority and genuine respect for one another. Like it's not a difficult concept to digest and it's even less a difficult concept to carry in your daily oh, life. You know what I mean? The fact that people are over here being like, no, you got to submit to big brother. You got to submit to social media. You got to submit to these large corporations. Like people are over here being like, no, it's oh just, God. Oh yeah, making our own energy, making our own water, being sustainable. Like, dude, all we're trying to do is just live peacefully. And it, fuck! It's it's about time that we stopped all this border and corporate bullshit, dude. We're humans on the planet Earth. Let us just stay here for a second,
1: at least for just one, one or one two. Second. You
0: know, I mean, I just want a good life for me and my kids. You know.
1: Yeah, you have (laughs) kids.
0: No, God, Jody. I'm twenty three. I can't, I can hardly take care of myself, man.
1: No, nah, I'm oh. just wondering, you know, I'm, I'm only 26. If I had children, so. <laughs> they'd
0: be little sand babies thinking the same thing I do. But at the end of the day, you know what? The funny thing is, okay, so. is right. Okay, cool. So yeah. like, are those kids where in Colorado, like, do they have phones and iPads and are pretty well connected? Yeah. Yeah. For me, yep, when I see yep, yep, when I yep. see someone below the age of fourteen glued to their phone and like jiving on TikTok, it like physically makes me nauseous. Do you get the same thing, or is it just me?
1: No. No, I that that is exactly the reason I don't huh, want but kids. I will
0: say <laughs> that I've met quite a few families out here cruising around especially in exuma which is like i spent quite a bit of time there so i have a little bit more like to say about it but um like so for example this one family on um this boat called grateful it was a 56 foot monohull so all they had to live in was 56 foot of space it was a mom a dad and four kids the oldest was 16 and the youngest was eight and i'll tell you what the most interesting one of the entire bunch was the fucking eight-year-old because he literally like purposefully threw his phone in the water, detached himself from all technology, and was number last w- swear to god. I followed these people around for the northern half of the exumas down to San Yuki. And that eight-year-old, I followed him around to find the lobster holes, to find the reef. And I was like, dude please god don't stop doing what you're doing because the minute that you stop you're gonna get sucked into this massive ugly corporate system and you're gonna lose this sense of adventure and I, I like dude his name was finn he's the coolest coolest kid shout out to finn on sv grateful dude he's a homie but like point being is these kids who are raised outside of this culture of technology and mostly just technology at a young age is what kind of fucks us but realistically these kids have so much to say and they're so well versed in really applicable mechanical tangible shit that is really useful you know what i mean and i'm like dude you're so young and you're, you're so full of information just capitalize on that in a in a physical sense take that to the well, physical world you know at, what I it,
2: mean? at an early age i'm sorry to interject but like i met two girls down in Grenada that had grew up on a wooden boat and their names were all of an Alfie and like I generally like most kids are kind of, you know, obnoxious and such, like not to be harsh and whatever. They're kids. But they're kids. They were four and six. But I absolutely love them. They grew up on a boat. They're like monkeys. But they they've grown up around mostly, like, adults their whole life so they, they have this, like, ability to connect and to talk to people, they, like, they learn those skills early on how to communicate with people, so, like, those are, like, some of the first kids I've ever connected with as far as, like, you know, any kids go... <laughs> So
0: But it's cool to see that children raised outside of this system are very similar to, like, you and I were when we were young. Playing yeah. out in the dirt, you know, picking up seashells, doing <laughs> stupid kid things, not glued to an iPad making TikTok videos. Exactly. It, it gives me hope for humanity.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> see, that was... Picking, picking up my kneecaps off yeah. the
2: sidewalk. Exactly, mm-hmm. like we like rode scooters around and shit like that. And we fell. Like our parents had to like call us in from outside. Like what? Like these kids nowadays? I don't know what they're. Hey Jody, but, like, what
0: what happens when the streetlights go on?
1: <laughs> well, your your mama. Calls you back home, and you gotta run
2: back.
0: My
1: mom was on the front porch with a (laughs) fucking spoon.
2: (laughs) That's gonna get exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm
0: 23, and I can say this, and I'm really glad that I can say this, man.
2: Right? I'm glad.
0: Fuck.
1: We're losing. No, yeah.
2: But ever, like, as as a woman, like, if ever I was to have kids these days. Um, the only way I could foresee to have children that would have a a bright future, like, not necessarily like that, like, that's pretty harsh to say, but to have many skills growing up and such like that is to raise them away from society, like, and one of those ways is to raise them on boats. And that is amazing. That is amazing.
0: Or oh,
2: RVs.
1: Or RVs, yeah. So, yes. So, uh, Katie, what is, what is your skateboarding? Oh, skateboarding. I love skateboarding.
2: I remember the first time my dad put me on a longboard. I was five years old, and he rode me down like a hill and stuff like that. He's like, you're going to be a skateboarder. But well, then again, my dad grew up in Hawaii, so,
1: so. You were just saying that you wouldn't want your kids um, out on the streets after 8 <laughs> oh, PM or whatever. Sure. Well,
2: yeah, that's, that's a hard, like, role <laughs> to play because, you know, I'm, I'm young as I am, so. It's
0: not that we wouldn't want them there. It's more so just the... Uh... The fact that we know what that means when the streetlights come on, it's time to go home. It's a good thing. But fuck <laughs> dude, the best memories I ever had as a kid was standing out past the street lights, bro.
2: Exactly. Yeah, no. Um Yeah, yeah. Yeah. in yeah. 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 yeah the skate no. bar, yeah. like going- and- bombing down hills, all that kind of shit. Like I love that. I love that. Like so, like, there's nothing to be detracted away from living on land and having that kind of experience but in this kind of society where it is going and what we have seen and everything the problem
0: is just technology man. Uh, yeah, like I we're out technology. here in the middle of the ocean right we're out here where you, like you don't have cell service you don't have access to these things and so like these kids are kind of forced to find other means of entertainment whereas like it's very similar to how we grew up pre pre cell phones, pre all this. Sh- I mean, I'm younger than you. I couldn't say pre internet, but point being is, um, you know, like at least when I was younger, I didn't have a, a freaking supercomputer in my pocket at six years old, you know no. what I mean? Like- and being on land, you just have so much more access to that, that it, um, it creates a, a more of a liability for them to get sucked into the system. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, trying to create a, a I wouldn't say, like, necessarily a barrier to your children, like, your hypothetical children and stuff like that, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't feel that raising a child in the suburbs in, like, having a, like, a digital device, like, a smartphone, like, placed in front of their face from the early ages is the way to go, like.
0: (laughs) Obviously, things like that are, like, parentable, you know what I mean? But also, like, if I put myself in that position, right, as a father, right, Having kids online, let's just say hypothetically, I move back to Colorado, I get myself a nice house somewhere in Castle Rock or somewhere wherever, maybe out in Elizabeth just because I have a little bit more access to, like, you know, open space. But um, yeah, let's just say I buy a house out in Elizabeth and I have a couple of kids, right? I would genuinely feel a little bit conflicted because when my kids go to school and when my kids go and interact with other kids their age, their social dynamic is more often than not built around this social media concept, this TikTok and, mm-hmm. and the Facebook presence and all these memes and et cetera, which is obviously not a bad thing. I love this shit. Don't get me wrong. It's great entertainment, but that's all that it is. Unfortunately, what the younger generation is kind of fixating on is the social network. And I would feel bad as a parent in one sense, that they're, uh, they're less able to interact with children their age on a day-to-day social dynamic level. Whereas I know in my heart that I'm setting them up for a longer term success, right? So it's like a double-edged sword of like, I want to set them up with, cause like children have a massive life. You know, you, you want to set them up with the dirt and the, the play and the imagination and, and the, the youth of being a kid and you don't want to be polluted by social media and technology and all this bad stuff. But at the same time, like when I'm thinking about my childhood, a lot of things that made what I did amazing was the fact that I had kids my age around me who also wanted to do those things.
2: Like ride bikes and like go out into nature and like fucking crawl. What I'm seeing
0: nowadays with kids on land is that they're, so submerged in the social network and interacting with each other on a digital, um, like, facet of life that none of the other kids would want to go out and ride bikes with them. None of the other kids would want to go catch crawdads or catch mud puppies or go chase cattle around or whatever the shit that, I mean, I know I did when I was younger. You know what I mean? But the, do fact the that
2: general stupid shit that what like we young see, people do.
0: Yeah, what like. we see out here is like these kids who, like, there are definitely other kids out here in the cruiser community. But because these kids are more so indoctrinated with interacting with adults, um, being called to have like higher level conversations, being called to explain themselves in a deeper way than just 100 of a treat would allow um they're being called to go out and experience these beautiful reefs and all this wild beaches and all this wildlife and stuff because like they literally don't have cell service i find on a personal level at least in the last year of traveling um on the boat it's that these kids i meet have just deeper understanding of of